silent while the world raised its voice. With loud and angry tones they took the lead. Oh, all across creation there's a rumbling in the hills as the chosen ones of God stand up to make his message known. I'm gonna shout it from the housetops, proclaim it from the mountaintops, tell the world around me Jesus saves. I have made my choice, gonna make a joyful noise, the world will hear my voice Jesus saves. And hills are ready to proclaim the Savior's might. But the Spirit of the Lord said they should wait. See, God knew his children were ready to march on and proclaim his word throughout the land and seal the devil's fate. But the world still tells us daily that God is not alive. Salvation's plan is just a fairy tale. But their lives don't change the truth. Jesus died for you. And the word says his returning could happen any day. I'm gonna shout it from the housetops. Proclaim it from the mountaintops. Tell the world around me Jesus saves. I have made my choice. I'm going to make a joyful noise. The world will hear my voice, Jesus says. We have heard the joyful sound. Jesus says, Jesus says. Spread the tidings all around. Jesus says, Jesus says. Shout it from the housetops, proclaim it from the mountaintops, tell the world around me Jesus saves. I have made my choice, I'm going to make a joyful noise, the world will hear my voice Jesus saves. The world will hear my voice Jesus saves. The world will hear my voice Jesus saves. You might have noticed all the songs this morning were involving salvation. The special was involving salvation, and that was all on purpose because today I'm going to preach on a subject that is not a popular subject. Unfortunately, it's a subject that fewer and fewer churches are believing in, for one, and then even ones that believe in it a lot of times don't want to talk about it. And. Um, but it is this, it is a very important subject. This is the subject of hell, a place called hell. Hell is a very real place, and it is something that uh, you know. I, I know most of y'all here. I think all of you here, your home folks, probably say, "Like, why do you preach about hell to a bunch of saved people?" Well, because we need to be reminded of it to remember what we are trying to protect people from and what they need to be saved from. And many times, I think one of the reasons Christians don't like to hear about hell is it's real hard to read about it and hear preaching about it and it not motivate you just a little bit to go and tell somebody about the Savior. 
And it's very important, and and I don't. I tell you, um, the whole message is going to be about hell, but we're definitely going to talk about the Savior. Because the truth is, you don't have. Nobody has to go there. Nobody has to go to hell, and it is always a tragedy when somebody does. And I, but um, it is a very serious subject. I take it very serious. So my outline today it's not like a normal outline that I, that I do. I'm mainly just going to take you through a lot of scriptures about it because it is in the Bible a lot. Jesus Himself mentioned it 16 times in the New Testament. He talked about hell quite a bit, and so I think it's something that we ought to take very serious. And in Psalms chapter nine, verse 17. I want to read this scripture to you. It says, The wicked shall be turned into hell, and all the nations that forget God. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I want to ask that you'll just be with me this morning. Lord, help me to just get this message across, Lord, in the right way. Lord, help us to realize just the importance of this subject and to not forget about that it's real, Lord. We think just because we're saved, we don't need to worry about it. But Lord, there's so many people out there that are heading for this place. Lord, there's folks that we might know that might be there tomorrow. We don't know. And I just pray You'll help us to uh, through this message, Lord, that will motivate us to tell others about You and about the Savior. In Your name we pray. Amen. The wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God. First of all, before we kind of get into some of these things about hell, some things I just wanted to mention because there's a lot of things that we get accused of when we do preach on hell or churches that believe in hell, preachers that preach on hell. There's a lot of things we get accused of that just aren't true. And it's definitely not true here. But the first thing that people like to do is they'll talk, oh, that, that Baptist church out there, everybody that's not like them, they, just, they try to put them all in hell. And well, here's the truth. I don't have the ability to put anybody in hell. That's not for me to decide. That's something that God does, not me. I've never put anybody in hell. I can't do that. I don't have that ability. I only have the ability to warn or not to warn. Ezekiel chapter 3 talks about the watchman. God has set us as watchmen. And it is our responsibility to tell others. Otherwise, their blood is on our hands. And it is very important. We do have the ability... I cannot tell somebody about the Gospel and they may not get saved as a result of that and they may go to hell, but it wasn't me that put them in hell. It was their sin that put them in hell. In the Bible, we see in the final judgment, the angels are going to bind them hand and foot and cast them into the lake of fire. Not me. So, this isn't something that I do. Another truth is, I'm just going to admit this to you, I don't like the fact that there is a hell and that people are going there. I don't... I don't like the thought of a hell. It's not something. It's not something that I enjoy or I get thrilled thinking about. I, I don't. I don't like the thought that anybody goes there. I don't. Also, I'm just going to admit this too. I don't completely understand why people have to go to hell. Because the truth, you say, what? I mean, but people are serious. Well, I, I, listen, I know what the Bible says about it, but understand, sin does not seem that bad to me. It's like, wow, that doesn't sound very spiritual at all. Well, it doesn't. it's not very spiritual, but it's very true. Because here's the thing. I'm a sinner too. So it's real easy for me to look and say, not that bad. You know, who really cares? Because I'm not holy. Now, I know that sin is a big deal by faith because of what the Word of God says. 
I know what God says about sin. I know the Bible says sin's a big deal. So I believe that sin is a huge deal based on the Word of God, but that doesn't mean I completely understand it. There's some sins I don't think are that big of a deal. There's some things that God spoke out against. It's like, I mean, who really cares about that? I mean, you know, so I don't see, sometimes I think people deserve a punch in the nose. It doesn't, doesn't really bother me that much. But the truth is, sin is sin. God hates sin. God's holy. We're not holy. But me personally, hey, I understand. A lot of sins that people do, I get why they did, why they did it. You know, people that have road rage, I get that. Doesn't mean it's okay though. It's a sin. It's wrong. And God, God hates sin. And here's another truth I'm going to give you too. And I'm admitting something here. That might make you think less of me, but I'm just I'm just being honest with you. I really don't care that much. Not me personally, okay? Tommy McMurtry doesn't care that much about strangers, people I don't know, them going to hell. Say, oh, you're a Christian. You're supposed to care. But and listen, I do care, but the only reason I care is because God cares. Now, I care about all of you, whether or not you go to heaven or hell, because I know you personally. I mean, you all are special to me. God's people, uh, other Christians, I mean, you can't help but love them. My family, I, I obviously care very much about them because I know them, I'm close to them. I care very much. But the truth is, other people, people that I don't know, the main reason I care about them is because God cares. There's people that um, I have visited here that I didn't know, but maybe they were they were friends of yours. There's people I've prayed for that I don't know, but they're they're friends and they're families of yours. And I do care about those people. You know why? Because you care about them. And because you care, it causes me to care. Because I know it would break your heart, and because I care about you, I don't want to see I don't want to see that happen. But do you understand what I'm saying? The the real reason that anybody, that any preacher especially cares about, you know, people in other nations and other cultures and people that don't that they don't know it's because it's because God cares. I know because I know how much God loves the world, that causes me to care for the rest of the world. I mean, honestly, there are some people out there that uh, there's not too many people that I just really don't like, but there are some that I just really don't like. But I have, but I don't want them to go to hell. And it's not because I'm a nice person. It's because I know that God doesn't want them to go to hell. When I think about the fact that Jesus Christ died on the cross for them, because I love Him, I'm concerned about them. But as far as me using hell because I want to have some place that I can talk about all the people I don't like going, that's totally wrong. That's totally false. I don't know. I mean, there's probably some preachers out there that feel all these ways, but that is not the case here. I don't like hell. I don't. Me personally. The only reason I think sin's a big deal at all is because the Bible says it is. And I've chosen to accept this by faith. But the truth is, it is a real place. We see it throughout the Scriptures. You cannot be a Bible believer and not believe in hell. Now, you can be a religious person and not believe in hell because there's a lot of religions that don't, that don't believe there's a hell or they'll say that it's something other than what the Bible says it is. But we're going to look at what the Bible says about it because it's very specific and there's a lot of Scripture on it. And it's important because this is a real place that real people go to. And I don't want, I don't want them to go there. But first, let's look at the reality 
of its location. Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 22. We've got a lot of Scriptures. If you want to try to follow along, go ahead. But I'm going to be going through them fast because we don't have time to turn to all of them. But there, if you want to take notes, you can do that. So you can look them up later. But Deuteronomy 32.22 says, For a fire is kindled in mine anger, and shall burn unto the lowest hell, and shall consume the earth with her increase, and set on fire the foundations of the mountains. Did you know, I believe that hell today, it's a real place that is located in the center of our earth. It's there in the center of earth. So Brother Tom, are you saying that if we dug a hole down to the center of the earth, that we could reach hell? Listen, I believe that hell is in the center of the earth just like I believe heaven is in the sky. Okay, I believe heaven's in the sky, but can you see it? No. Can we get there if we get on an airplane? No, it's a spiritual place. But it's real, just like I believe there's angels that are among us that are just as real as we are. However, we can't see them because we, don't, we can only see the physical. And I believe hell, it's a spiritual place where the soul's of men and women who have rejected the truth, uh, who have rejected to get the salvation, go to, and I believe the location of it, it's in the center of the earth. I believe uh, I was just watching a documentary about the core of the earth. It was very interesting uh, how much science has figured out about the core of the earth that the Bible has been saying for years. It's it's pretty amazing. But um, I was watching that, and it is extremely hot. In the core of the earth, I mean, it is—it's hotter than we can imagine. That heat that comes—it causes all that molten lava and stuff that you see coming from mountains. Just like it says, it set on fire the foundations of the mountains. We see evidence on this planet of how hot it is in the center of our earth, and I believe that it is directly related with hell. Job eleven eight says it is as high as heavens, uh, as heaven. How canst thou do deeper than hell? What canst thou know? Psalms 86.13 For great is thy mercy toward me, and thou hast delivered my soul from the lowest hell. Isaiah 5.14 Therefore hell hath enlarged herself, and opened her mouth without measure, and their glory and their multitude and their pomp. And he that rejoiceth shall descend into it. That verse, hell hath enlarged herself. Did you know that we're having more earthquakes now than we've ever had before? More volcanic activity. More of that's going on now than ever before. I wonder if it's because there's more people alive on earth than ever before. Which means there are more people dying and going to hell. And it's, it's making room. And we're seeing that today. And the Bible said that there would be that way in the last days. That there would be earthquakes in divers places. We're seeing all kinds of that stuff going on. All the time you hear about the tsunamis and things. I believe it's hell enlarging itself. Isaiah 14.9, this is interesting. Hell from beneath is moved for thee to meet thee at thy coming. It stirreth up the dead for thee, even all the chief ones of the earth. It hath raised up from their thrones all the kings of the nations. It says it stirreth up the dead. Now, I'm not going to try to sound scientific here because I'll make myself look like a fool. But in the core of the earth... There is also what is known as the outer core. There's the inner core and the outer core. That outer core, it's spinning around. It's kind of stirring things up. And it kind of fits with what the Bible says that hell's doing, that it moves. How in the world did they know about it back then? It's because God told them. It's a real place. And it calls it hell. Isaiah 14. 
15, Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the side of the pit. Talking about Lucifer. Uh, Amos chapter 9, verse 2, Though they dig into hell, then shall mine hand take them. Though they climb up to heaven, thence will I bring them down. We see just how it is. It's there's an actual place. There's an actual location. I don't believe if we dug a hole, we could find the lost souls and and find hell. But I do believe that it is there in the center of the earth. There is a place, a spiritual place, where the souls of the lost go, and they're burning, waiting, waiting for the final judgment, waiting for the the resurrection of the dead that we're going to read about in a little bit. It is a real place. It's also just it's a temporary that part of hell. It's temporary. Eventually death and hell, the Bible says, is going to be cast in the lake of fire. Where that is, what that is, I really don't know. I just know that it doesn't sound good. But at the location it's real. Just like I believe that heaven is in the sky, I believe hell is in the heart of the earth. And verse and then also look at the reality of its torment. A lot of time, well, it's, it's just a figurative thing. It's, it's just the Jehovah's Witnesses, they'll tell you it's just the grave. Alright? But listen to what the Bible says about it. Remember, we're Bible believers here. Alright? We're a Baptist church, but we believe the Bible. Okay? That's, so we're going to go off what the Bible says. Matthew 5.22 says, But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment, and whosoever shall say to his brother Rekha shall be in danger of the council, but whosoever say thou fool shall be in danger of hell fire. There is a fire that's burning in hell. Matthew 5.29 And if thy right eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee. For it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. Verse 30, if thy right hand offend thee, cut it off and cast it from thee, for it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. It's a real place. And he says you'd be better off cutting off your hand or plucking out your eye. Now, I don't recommend anybody do that. And Jesus was not recommending anybody do that. But He's saying if your hand or if your eye is stopping you from receiving the gift of salvation, you'd be better off plucking those things off, cutting that hand off, then to allow that your whole body to be thrown into that place called hell. A place of torment where the fire is not quenched and the worm dieth not. Matthew chapter 10, verse 28, "...and fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear Him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell." That's As Christians, we really shouldn't fear death. We really don't have... Have anything. The only thing I fear concerning death is I fear, you know, leaving my family behind. I maybe fear how I'm going to die. You know, I don't, I don't want to be, I don't want to die some slow, horrible death. But as far as death itself, well, that's I'm, I'm not worried about that. That's fine. That's taken care of. I'm going to be okay there. But the Bible says, fear those which are able to destroy both soul and body. In hell. Luke sixteen nineteen. Go ahead and turn over to this one. Luke chapter 16. This is one of the clearest examples of hell in the Bible. Now this is not a parable. Many times people will say, well this story here, this is a parable. In, in your Bibles it might say, uh, like it will have the little uh, you know, commentary things. Sometimes it will call it the parable of the rich man. But this is not a parable. Parables, they never give names in parables. This one gives a name, 
And it says in Luke chapter 6, uh, I lost my spot, Luke chapter 6 and verse 19. I lost my spot. Oh, 16. Okay, I'm in 6. Yep, 16 verse 19. There we go. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. There was a certain rich man. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. And the rich man also died and was buried. And in hell, he lift up his eyes being in torments, plural, and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Before Jesus died on the cross, folks couldn't go to heaven because the blood had not been shed, the payment for sin had not been made. And there was a place also in the heart of the earth, there's a lot of other Scriptures we could go to on there, that known as Abraham's bosom or paradise where the saved would go or where the righteous would go. They referred to it as Abraham's bosom. And so he in hell, in torment, he's able to see Abraham and Lazarus. That place is no longer there. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, those three days when He was in the tomb, He wasn't just laying there dead. He was busy. He was going down into hell and leading captivity captive. He led those Old Testament saints out of there and He took them up to heaven. That's another exciting story there. But in verse 24, "...and He cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on Me, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool My tongue, for I am tormented in this flame." But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he was comforted, and thou art tormented. You know, many times people will look at the difficulties that they're going through in their life, or maybe somebody that they know, maybe somebody in the church, but they seem like they're really struggling. They're going through a hard time, and they're doing their best. And just nothing seems to go their way. And a lot of times people look, and it's like, why doesn't doesn't God care what they're going through? Isn't God paying attention to what's going on? And listen, I don't care what you're going through on this earth. It it cannot be compared to the joy that there's that's going to be in heaven. And there's many people today sitting in church. I mean, dirt poor. They haven't got two nickels rubbed together. But the truth is, God knows if they were rich, they would be like most other rich people that would have nothing to do with church, have nothing to do with the house of God. I do a lot of door knocking and stuff, inviting people to church and soul winning, just trying to tell people about Jesus. And I'm telling you right now, some of the worst places to go where you get treated the worst are the high end, fancy neighborhoods. Those people, they have money. Why do they need church? They've got all the comforts, they've got everything they want. Why do they need God? And then, usually the ones who are more likely to listen to you are the poor folks, those who have some needs. And. So why doesn't God? Pay? Why does God seem to everything go their way? If you knew what was waiting for them, and if you knew what was waiting for you, that wouldn't be an issue. You know, Lazarus, he was a leper, he was a beggar. Why didn't God pay attention to him? God was paying attention to him. God also knew what he was heading for. He was heading for paradise, and he's in heaven today. This rich man who seemed to have everything, he's still burning in hell. And it says in verse. Uh, 26, and beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, 
neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Once you're in hell, you can't get out. He was able to see paradise at that time, but he couldn't get there. Abraham was able to see hell from where he was at, but he couldn't get there. You know, I thank God. I thank God that He saved my soul and I couldn't go to hell if I wanted to. And I would never want to. But I'm thankful for that. Then in verse 27, then He said, I pray thee therefore that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. For I have five brethren that he may testify unto them lest they also come into this place of torment. You know what? This rich man, when he's in hell, the first thing he's thinking, i got five brothers. I know those guys. They live just like me. They didn't pay any attention to God. They they're evil. They haven't. They've never accepted Christ their Savior. They're going to end up in this same place. And he said, "What?" He knows he can't get out. But he said, "Send Lazarus back." Why did he say send Lazarus? I wonder if maybe Lazarus had witnessed to this rich man. But he said, "Send Lazarus back." And notice what Abraham said, because I believe that everybody that's in hell today, if they're praying and they're just begging. They're wanting their family to get saved. They don't want them to end up in that same place. You can, I mean, you can count on that. But Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. Moses and the prophets, you know what he's talking about? He's talking about the Old Testament. He's talking about Genesis through Deuteronomy. He's talking about the prophets. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, all those. He's saying they've got the Scriptures. Why do they need somebody to come back from the dead? And the truth is, the rich man, he says, um, and he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto them, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. And that's the truth. Listen, if people won't listen to the Word of God, they're not going to listen to anything else. If we could, I mean, it would be a powerful illustration today if I could say, ladies and gentlemen, the Lord has given me the power today to open up hell and let somebody out and share their testimony with the church. And he comes out and he's just all burned up and charred up and, I mean, just telling everybody how horrible it is. Oh, man, everybody gets saved, wouldn't they? No. Not if they won't listen to the scriptures. Because the truth is, nobody gets saved except the Holy Spirit draw them. And God uses His Word. And that's why it's so important that when promoting religion, Christianity, whatever, that we use Scripture. Okay? Not just what man says. Not, we don't use, you know, uh, just inspirational things. We use the Scripture. That's what is going to get the message across. And if people won't accept it, if they won't accept the Scripture, they won't accept anything. Somebody coming back from the dead would not persuade them. And especially in our culture today where we're fascinated with everybody coming back from the dead. We've got, it seems like every time you turn around there's a new zombie movie or some dead person that's still alive and it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty sick. But the torment, it's real. So I don't want, he meant several times it uses the term torment. It is not a good place. It's not a pleasant place. It is a place of torment. Some people say, I'm going to go to hell because that's where all my friends are. We're just going to party down there. No, you're not. It's a place of torment. And then also, look at the reality of its eternity. This is something that it's not temporary. You know, it wouldn't be, it's horrible to think of hell. What we read about hell, it's horrible to think about going there for 10 minutes. But the fact that it's eternal, that's the part 
that's really hard to grasp and it's just horrible. Revelation 20, verse 11, And I saw a great white throne, and Him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead. The dead, these are those who weren't saved. You might know some people that physically right now are dead, but if they were saved, they're not really dead. A saved person never really dies. Our body dies, but we don't, we don't really... We don't really die. But these people, these are the dead. Those who die in their sins. The dead, small and great. From the little, sweet little grandma that tried to work her way to heaven by going to church every week, to guys like Adolf Hitler. The dead, small and great. Stand before God and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. I don't want to get... This is a great white throne. This is where the lost. This is where the dead go. They get judged according to their works. I thank God I'm not going to get judged according to my works. If I was getting judged according to my works, I wouldn't have a chance. I would definitely end up in that place called hell. But thank God I get judged according to the work of Jesus Christ. And that's the only reason I have a chance. And that's the only reason I am going to heaven. Verse 13, "...and the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged, every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire." It's it's horrible and it's eternal. Revelation 14.10 says, "...the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God which is poured out without mixture into the cup of His indignation and shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb and the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever and they have no rest day nor night who worship the image in his, uh, the beast in His image and whosoever receiveth the mark of His name." Here is the patient of the saints. Here are they which keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Right, blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. Yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works do follow them. Thank God for that. The death, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord. It's not like the death of the wicked. It's not like the death of the lost. And it's eternal. And it's very easy... To just when you look at hell and when you think about how horrible it is, to just it gives you some bad feelings. You know, a lot of people they come to church, they go to churches that makes them feel good all the time. It's hard to feel good after a message on hell. I know that. Okay, I'm I'm planning on making up for it and preaching a message on heaven next week. All right, but we listen. We've we've got to do this, so it doesn't really make you feel good because it is so horrible and it is hard to imagine. And remember, it's hard for us to imagine because we're sinners that eternal punishment. Somebody being cast into hell never to be let out. We think it says it's going to be in the presence of the Lamb and in the presence of the holy angels. How could God stand that? But the truth, Luke, or not Luke, Isaiah chapter 66, we see a passage here that I think can help us understand just how, I guess, God is able to do that. And I think it'll help us. It can help us understand some things. Because remember, we are we're all sinners. Okay, so when we look around at other people, the lost, 
they don't seem that bad to us. Because the truth is, we're not really any better, are we? We're all sinners. Okay? It would be like if everybody in here took a shower every day this week and one person didn't, that person's going to stand out. Okay? We're going to notice that person, aren't we? But if we all decided this week none of us are going to take showers, well, we could all come together and we can all feel great about ourselves and we don't have to feel self-conscious and we won't even notice everybody else because we all stink. And that's the truth when it comes... Because we're all sinners, it's real easy around each other and around being around people all the time to not think it's that big of a deal. But understand that God is holy. That around Him can be no sin. Even Jesus Christ... His own son, when he hung on the cross, God had to turn his back, couldn't even look at his own son when he got to that point where he took our sins on him, when he became the sinner. Because our sin is that sick, it's that vile, it's that disgusting. But someday, when we get to heaven, we're going to be changed. We're going to be like him. We're going to be like Christ. And look what it says in Isaiah 66 23. And it shall come to pass that from one new moon to another, and from one Sabbath to another, shall all flesh come to worship before Me, saith the Lord. And they shall go forth and look upon the carcasses of the men that have transgressed against Me. For their worms shall not die, neither shall their fire be quenched, and they shall be an abhorring unto all flesh. When we are in our righteous form like Christ, we are going to see sin like Christ sees it. And it's going to make us sick. It's going to disgust us. Just like if you've ever been there, you open up some kind of package of food or whatever and it had maggots in it. And it's just... Ugh, you just what do you do? You, you cast it out. You, you've got to get rid of it. You don't save it. I've met, I've met some people with some weird pets. All right? Pet snakes. I, oh, I, don't, I just don't like it. Pet spiders. But you know, I've never seen anybody with pet maggots. You know why? It's, it's an abhorring. It's disgusting. And us in our sin condition, that's what we are like compared to the holiness of God. And we ought to be cast out. We ought to be cast into the fire. You could take a bucket of maggots and throw them in a fire and nobody's going to feel sorry for them. You're just going to be glad to get rid of them because they're gross, they're disgusting. And that's what we are in our sin condition. And it ought to blow our minds that even though we're like that, God still loved us enough to make a way for us to be cleansed and to make a way for us to be changed and that He would send His own Son to die for a world full of maggots. That's what we are in our sin condition. God didn't create us that way. It happened when we fell. And we see that when we look at the reality of hell's purpose. There is a purpose for Why did God even make hell? Well, Matthew 23, verse 33 says, "...Ye serpents, ye generation of vipers..." How can ye escape the damnation of hell? Hell, it's, it's a place of punishment. This is religious people too that Jesus is talking to. Then verse uh, Matthew 25.41 Then uh, shall He say unto them on the left hand, Depart from Me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. God didn't make hell for man. He made hell for the devil and his angels. But notice how it says, Depart from me, ye cursed. When man sinned at the Garden of Eden, man was cursed. Man fell. Mankind fell. But thank God, He still loved us. And He gave us a chance. But hell was not intended for us. It was intended for the devil and his angels. 
verse we read at the beginning, the wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God. And so it's also a place where the wicked go, where those uh, who did not accept Jesus' payment for their sin will go and they will pay for their sins and it will take them an eternity. Uh, there's so many more verses I could, I could read. We don't have the time to go into all of them just about the purpose of hell. Talking about the wicked going to hell. Uh, it, and it is a place. Second uh, Peter two nine. The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptation and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. It, it is a place of punishment. God wouldn't punish anybody. Yeah, he would. He has to. He's holy. He's righteous. He's he's a just God. Though sin has to be dealt with. It has to be punished. Jesus Christ. He paid for our sins on the cross. But many have said no. They've said no to that payment. They're going to do it on their own. And there's no other alternative but for them to pay for all eternity. And what a sad thing is. That's why I take hell serious. I remember Brother Jack Parchman, he used to preach on hell all the time. He'd scare you to death with some of the stories that he would tell. I could tell you some stories, but I'm going to stick to the Bible today. Well, the Bible says, but he said one time he got done preaching and a little girl came up to him after the service and said, Brother Parchman, you cussed nine times during the message. He said, I, I, I didn't cuss. What did I do? She's like, she said, you said hell nine times. And Brother Parchman said, well, I got convicted. He's like, I only said hell nine times? He's like, it's like, he's like, I had to ask the Lord to forgive me. I usually say it a lot more than that. But listen, you'd never hear that man ever Say you know what I put that word on there and you know and saying somebody you know, telling somebody to go to hell things like that never do that he would never do that I would never do that you know why because I take it serious that's why I it it bothers me on television when I hear these people just throw that word around like nothing's like let me tell you something if you knew what hell was really like if you knew how real that place was you wouldn't be talking about it like that. It would kind of sober you up even thinking about it. If you if you knew what hell was really like, you wouldn't be telling somebody else to go there. You'd be telling them about the Savior. Because it is a real place. It is a horrible place. And we ought to take it serious. We don't want to just go throwing that word around. But then notice, we can't talk about hell without talking about the reality of the Savior. Revelation 1.13 And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, and girt about the paps of the golden girdle. His head and his hairs were white like wool, and as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire, and his feet like unto fine brass, as if they burn in a furnace, and his voice is the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead, and he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not. I am the first and the last. I am He that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. Jesus Christ, He conquered hell and death when He died on the cross. And while hell is a horrible place, and while it is a place that we need to talk about, we need to warn people about, thank God we can tell them that you don't have to go there. That this place, while it is real, while it is horrible, it is not necessary for you to go there. Jesus Christ paid for your sins. He has the keys of hell and of death. And if you'll call on Him for salvation, He'll save your soul. And you don't ever have to worry about it. 
Thank God for that. Thank God for that. I'm glad. Listen, if it was Jesus saved me, I'd want to get saved just to go to heaven. But boy, He didn't just save us so we go to heaven. He saved us from hell. And you know, many people, it's easier for them to just ignore it and say, I don't believe. And, and okay, people, I guess they have the right to believe what they want to believe. But the question I like to ask is, what if you're wrong? What if you're wrong? Okay, if somebody says there's no hell, it's like, alright, well, if I'm right, okay, then, or if I'm right, if you're, maybe you're a lost person, you don't believe there's a hell. If I'm right, then you're going to be in big trouble. If you're right, you know, you live a life on this earth, you do whatever you want, you deal with all the junk and consequences that goes along with sin, and then it's just over. Boom, there's nothing after this life. And, but what if you're wrong? That's the thing, I just, are you sure you want to just go off your feeling? Are you sure you want to base the, you know, the destination of your eternal soul on how you feel? Or what a religion says? I don't know about you, but I, I decided I'm going to trust the Word of God. In this place, it is real. And I want to warn people about it. I want, I would, I want to, I want to make sure that it's not, it's something that we talk about around here. We're not ashamed of it. We're not going to shy away from it. I've seen news articles or news programs where they talk about how more and more people are rejecting the doctrine of hell and saying that there is no hell. I don't care. I don't care if we're the only ones left. The Bible still says that there is a place called hell. It says that a certain man, rich man, died and went to hell. And I don't want to go there. Or I don't want anybody else to go there. I know I'm fine thanks to Jesus Christ. But you know, there's still a lot of people out there that I care about that I don't want going. There's a lot of people I don't know that I know Jesus cares about. And seeing that He saved me, saved my soul from hell, maybe my neighbor who maybe... I don't know my neighbor very well, but maybe that neighbor that you have or that I have that I don't even really care about, don't pay attention to. That fact that God loves him ought to motivate me to go do something to tell him. Just invite him to church. Give him a gospel track. I mean, do whatever you can because it's so real. So let's all stand together. Heads bowed, eyes closed.